to see everyone. And we have a saying in RUF that everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected here. So there are, I imagine there are a lot of different reasons that you are, are here tonight. I mean, you may know exactly why you're here and you're excited. Maybe you have no idea why you're here. Maybe uh, you didn't want to be here, but somehow you still are. But I'm so glad to see each one of you. And we are looking this semester, the first half of it, at the book in the Bible called Proverbs. And it's basically this big collection of wise sayings. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. And wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is skill in the art of godliness, or living in the way that God intends. Another way of saying it is that wisdom is skill in the art of beautiful living. And so tonight we're going to be talking, looking at Proverbs about friendship or what it means and what it looks like to have beautiful friendships. So let's look at a few excerpts from Proverbs that you can see up on the screen. Read with me. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 25.20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 27.17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would show us what is true. And we ask that the truth would set us free. Give us wisdom to see you. And as we see you, Lord, make us wise. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So at the beginning of last fall, my wife and I, we enrolled our two-year-old son in preschool. And part of the reason for doing this was because he doesn't have any siblings at this point. And because of COVID, doing play dates has gotten more difficult. So we sent him to school. And every time he, when he would come back, when we bring him home, we would ask him, what did you do at school? And every time he would say, made friends. <laughs> every day, what did you do at school? Made friends. Played with friends. And so we're thinking, he has friends. That's great. <laughs> Recently, though, they, they took pictures out on the playground on a beautiful snowy day, and then they posted them to Facebook, and we started looking through the pictures, and in every single picture, there were all the kids, but no Robert. <laughs> so first, I was thinking, like, he broke out, <laughs> and he's somewhere on King Street. He's in McAdoo's right now, just hanging out. And we, we can't find him in any picture until we find one where he is off in a corner of the playground all by himself, no other kids. And when I've been by, uh, when I'm on my way to pick him up, I'll stop by a few minutes early. That's what I see. I see him off by himself. And what we've discovered is that Robert has an underdeveloped definition of what friendship is. (laughs) For, For him, being a friend means I kind of know your name and I kind of know what you look like. Being a friend means like we're just in the general vicinity of one another. I'm like, friends! But the sweet thing is that even at two years old, Robert instinctively knows how important friendship is. And he gets so excited about it. And obviously, every single person to some degree knows that friendship is essential. or We need friendship. But it's likely that 
Every single one of us has some kind of underdeveloped understanding of what friendship is for and what it means to be a wise friend. Just because I value friendship doesn't mean that I know how to be a good friend or that I have wisdom for friendship. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. What we're going to see is this, is that to be a good friend, you need wisdom. And to be wise, you need friends. To be a good friend, you need wisdom. And to be wise, you need friends. And so we're going to break that down into those two parts. And we're going to look at how to be wise in friendship, one. And two, how friendship makes you wise. How to be wise in friendship and how friendship makes you wise. So first, we're going to look at how to be wise in friendship. Proverbs is a decently big book, and there's so many different things we could say about what, how wisdom applies to friendship. But here are just a few aspects. One aspect of wisdom in friendship is voluntary commitment. Voluntary commitment. Friendship is not like a marriage where there is some kind of contractual commitment to one another. You are voluntarily choosing to be around one another and to be serious in the way that you engage with one another, to spend time together. Friendship is also different from family relationships where you belong to one another by virtue of being in the family. You don't go up to a friend and say, I'm so glad that we're friends. And it's a binding relationship where you will never, ever leave me. And if you did that, you may not have any friends. <laughs> Friendship is voluntary. You choose out of your own freedom to spend time with that person and to be committed to them. And this is in, in many ways why a friendship can be more meaningful than some family relationships. When we look at Proverbs 18:24 up on the screen. A man of many, command, of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister. It's possible that you can be closer to one of your friends than you are to even a sibling. And it's exactly because there is voluntary commitment. You choose to belong to one another. You're not bound to one another contractually. You just choose to. But to be wise in friendship, there has to be commitment. There has to be commitment. So Proverbs points this out in 1717. A friend loves at all times and a brother or sister is born for adversity. The true friend is not the one who loves you when you are at your best, when you have the most to offer, but when you are at your worst and when you have seemingly the least to offer. But this is what it means to be a wise friend. It's costly or it's draining when one of your friends is grieving the loss of someone else, uh, a loved family member, someone who has died. It costs you. But the wise friend knows that he or she is born for that moment. That's exactly what friends are for, to sit alongside the other person and to bear some of the weight and the pain. I need friends not so much when I am doing great, but when I am struggling. I need friends not so much for when I feel like I've got a lot to offer, but when I need forgiveness. Because I will let you down. And you will let me down. Friendship needs voluntary commitment to say to one another, I'm with you. 
even in the hard times, especially in the hard times. So that's the first aspect of what it means to be wise in friendship. The second one is vulnerability. Vulnerability to friendship is what a key is to a car engine. A key seems so small and weak and insignificant, but the engine just won't obviously run without it. Vulnerability, which means to put yourself at risk of being hurt. This is just as essential to friendship. To be a wise friend means that you put yourself at risk of being hurt or to hurt with someone else. This is what we call empathy. Proverbs 25.20, with some strange language, it describes the opposite of this kind of wisdom, this kind of vulnerability. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Which sounds like a middle school science experiment. Just get that out of the way. Someone who takes a garment off of you on a cold day obviously is cruel. And vinegar on soda seems to be describing an irritable reaction. So Proverbs is basically telling us, when you go up to someone who is sad and you slap them on the back and you say, hey, it's going to be okay, you are cruel and irritating. The wise friend is the one who approaches a heavy heart with care and is willing to make yourself vulnerable, even to the point of hurting alongside that person, of being sad with them. One example of where this has been very difficult for me uh, is a story from college where I was talking with one of my very good friends, and he was describing in, in good detail what he was suffering at that point in his life, wrestling with what God was doing in the midst of it. And listening to him, I didn't know what to say, so I eventually just threw out, I just want you to know that God loves you. And that was the first thing that I said. And my friend basically responded with, well, that's just the thing. I don't feel like God loves me, and I don't see it. Telling someone God loves you obviously is not inherently a bad thing, but I said it in that moment because I didn't want to sit with my friend in the pain and in the confusion. I didn't want to sit there with him and have to feel what he was feeling. And so I gave a quick and pithy answer. But to be a wise friend means that you enter in and you make yourself vulnerable to feel with them, to empathize with them. But vulnerability, it's also necessary for friendship in the way that to have a friend, it requires being vulnerable. You've got to get vulnerable. And this is, again, costly, but it's the heart of friendship. My friend, Sammy Rhodes, we can see on the screen, he puts it this way. Friendship is born in the moments the iceberg gets flipped over, where what's beneath the surface emerges when our hearts are opened up and revealed. Some of us are lonely, but it's not for lack of people who dress like us and talk like us and live like us and vacation like us. Some of us are lonely because the friends we have are tip of the iceberg friends. We never venture to go beneath the surface because it's cold and we're scared. To be wise in friendship, you have to take the venture of letting what's below the surface pop up. The stuff that is awkward, the stuff that is broken, or what the Bible calls sinful, so that your friend has the opportunity to see you and truly love you. That's necessary for friendship. But let's ask ourselves, how many tip of the iceberg friends do we have? For how many people are we tip of the iceberg people? Do you know your friends.
Do they know you? To be wise in friendship, we need vulnerability. The last aspect of wisdom in friendship we'll look at is honest kindness. Honest kindness. So imagine you're sitting in local line with one of your friends, and she is going over the moon in excitement to talking about this decision that she's made. And as you listen, your stomach, it starts to sink because as you hear it, there's this voice inside you that's telling you this is a terrible decision that's only going to lead to heartbreak for this person. And of course, maybe you're wrong, but you can't shake the feeling that this is a self-destructive decision that they think is brilliant. What do you do in that moment? Do you sit back and only affirm because you don't want to judge? Or do you speak with honest kindness? Being a wise friend means speaking the truth in love. This is what Proverbs 27, 6 illustrates for us. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. An enemy will kiss you abundantly, speaking sweet things to you and not caring whether you live or die. But a wise friend is one who wounds you because they love you. Some of the hardest things about myself that I've had to hear have come from my closest friends. When they spoke to something in me or in my life that was concerning to them. And it wounded me. But they were being faithful. And they were being kind. To be a wise friend, we must speak the truth in love. But how often do we hold back when we, we don't want to say what is concerning to us because we don't want to come across as judgmental or we don't want to cause conflict or really we just don't want to mess with the dynamic and a friendship that maybe we just enjoy. We're scared of losing a friend. But the wise friend is one who cares enough to take that risk and to say what seems to be true. And of course, it doesn't mean that you just kind of like say whatever comes to mind. Like, honestly, I think you talk too much. Or with all due respect, that haircut is a disaster. (laughs) I'm just loving you. We don't do that. Obviously, this requires care and prayer to think about when it's appropriate and how to, with love and kindness in our voice, speak honesty to our friends. Do you want to be a wise friend? You got to tell the truth. This is what it means to be a wise friend. That's the first thing. And there's so much more we could say. But second, let's look at how friendship makes you wise. How friendship makes you wise. The first thing in this section is that friendship softens you. Friendship softens you and makes you wise. The best wisdom that you have to, to gain in this life, it comes in the context of friendships. You can learn wisdom about how to plan and how to... How to Make decisions that lead to better outcomes in general, outside of friendships. But the best of wisdom only come in the context of friendships. Love, compassion, gentleness. These are things that we experience only in the context of knowing people and being known. Friendships, they soften us and make us wise. What do I mean by this? Let's uh, look at the next slide. And there is a a quote from A Christmas Carol, the book. And Ebenezer Scrooge, he's talking to his nephew. It's a book. He's talking to his nephew. He's asking him, basically, why do you like Christmas when it doesn't put any money into your pocket? It seems to just take money out of your pocket. And here's what the nephew says. 
Christmas is a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they were really fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold in my, or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. If you do not seek good and deep friendships, your heart will harden. Like Scrooge, you will look at life and you will basically see it just like a math equation to be solved, where you maximize pain and you minimize pleasure. And people, in the end, really just become nuisances in the way of you getting what you want. You'll become foolish. But when you open yourself up to friendship, when you have a brother born for adversity, when you have a friend who sticks to you and is committed to you, you begin to learn to love sacrificially. You begin to see what it means to love when it's costly. You begin to see more dignity and even enjoy people who at one point may have just been kind of annoying to you. You'll learn to love, and that will mean that you are wiser because there's nothing better in this life than love. Friendship, it softens you and gives you a different kind of wisdom. Friendship teaches us that there is more to life than money and pleasure and success. Friendship teaches us that the things we experience in it, voluntary commitment, honest kindness, closeness, friendship itself, these are the best things God has given us in this life. The second way that friendship makes us wise is it sharpens us. Friendship is one of God's favorite gifts to form us and make us into the people that he wants us to be. So Proverbs 27, 17 tells us iron sharpens iron and one man or woman sharpens another. Friendship is the necessary context for you to become the person you're meant to be. Of course, this depends on the nature of the friendship. An unhealthy friendship will shape you in some harmful ways. And so it's important that we discern or navigate who are our friends. But it's important to say this. While it is so good to have friends who do not see the world in the way that you do, Christians should seek close friendships with those who share their faith and commitment to the Lord. We need other Christians to show us grace, to encourage us and to challenge us to continue in obedience. And while it is not realistic and it's actually self-righteous if I say, I'm, my friends are only going to be the super wise and everyone else is out because that would exclude me and I wouldn't belong in that group. Don't trust any group that will allow me to join. <laughs> While it is true that we shouldn't have this kind of exclusive attitude to our friendships, we should be welcoming. We should be looking for friends who are consistent, who are going to speak the truth to us in love who make themselves vulnerable to us and invite us to be vulnerable with them. In other words, we should be seeking wise friends because we should be seeking to be sharpened and to be made more into the people we're meant to be, to be made wiser. The last aspect of the way friendship makes us wise is that it clarifies for us who Jesus is. And this is the most important. 
We need friendships to help us understand who Jesus is to us and for us. Jesus came into this world to be king because he is God. And yet in John 15, Jesus tells his followers that they are not just his servants. He calls them his friends. This is who Jesus came to be to you and for you, a perfect friend, and to call you his friend, a friend to any and all sinners. Jesus has voluntarily committed himself to you. And in the best of friendships, we get a small glimpse of the way Jesus has done this for us. Jesus has loved me at my worst. And he has given his own life and even more for us. In the the best of friendships, we, we know that our friends would give their lives for us. But Jesus has done even more, dying on the cross to bear our sins for us. There is no friend that compares to Jesus. Jesus makes himself so close to you that you are bound to him. In the best of friendships, we experience some kind of intimacy that is just a foretaste of what Jesus has done for us and and who he is for us. Jesus makes himself so close to us that we are in union with him. That we belong to him and he will never let us go. Jesus makes him, Jesus speaks honesty, honesty to you perfectly. Again, in the best of friendships, all we're getting is this small reflection of the way Jesus speaks the truth to us. He, Jesus will never lie to you. He will challenge you in ways that are good for you. And he speaks kindness to you that heals you. And he reminds you with his words that you are his and you are his delight simply because he loves you. No friend compares to Jesus. And we need friendships to begin to see this. The best of friendships, not only do we see Jesus' work reflected to us, but also in the ways that we fail to be this, to do this for one another. We see the perfection of Jesus and his grace for us that works in us in this community and begins to help us to do this more for one another, to be these kinds of friends to one another. I think the the most profound point in friendships in some ways is when you have to say goodbye to a friend. And some of you seniors are preparing for these kinds of goodbyes when you move from a town or when you graduate. But it's when you begin to consider saying goodbye that you see more vividly and intensely how meaningful friendships are. And I experienced this in Athens when I was preparing to leave uh, the youth group that I'd served with for six years. I had to say goodbye to a lot of friends. But the hardest night was when I had to say goodbye to a group of, of high schoolers that I had seen from sixth grade all the way to older students. And I walked around the circle and I gave hugs to these guys that I'd seen grow up from awkward middle schoolers to awkward high schoolers. We laughed. I tried to say encouraging things to them. But at the end of the kind of hug circle, I saw a guy who has meant a lot to me and I've just experienced a lot with. And and when I looked at him, I just felt flooded by these memories of things that we'd been through together and the ways I've seen him grow in every sort of way really how meaningful our friendship is. And I just wept on his shoulder, on a 17-year-old guy's shoulder, because I didn't want to say goodbye. And because that friendship is good, 
and it's meaningful. It really is in that moment of saying goodbye that we, we get the strongest sense of what we're meant for. Perfect and permanent friendships. And this is what Jesus is inviting us toward. A future where we will see him unmasked face to face. And where we will experience perfect friendship with God and with one another. And where we won't have to say goodbye. The path of wisdom is to pursue these kind of deep and good friendships as we long for that future hope of friendship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the goodness of friendship. Uh, Lord, thank you that in the brokenness of friendship, you are at work um, showing us the perfection of Jesus, our true and better brother and friend. Um, I pray that you would, by your spirit, give us wisdom to pursue friendships that are meaningful, friendships that reflect your goodness, friendships that teach our hearts to long for what we're most uh, created for. And we ask this in your name. Amen.